You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon series by Pastor George Willis, which is titled Better Together. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Hey, can we let those who are watching online, like Carissa from Truckee, I'm super jealous. Um, uh, Pat P's watching online. Uh, who else? Eric. Peace for all. Anna, I think her name's Anna, is watching online. Uh, I think Ken and Jan Perry from Oregon is watching online. Uh, Mark Sherman and his family are watching online. Can we uh, welcome them? Those in house, welcome them. And let them know that we're with them and that we love them. Uh, We're in this series called uh, Better Together. We are better together. The idea is that, you know, I get it. God created each one of us. And as an individual that God created us, that's pretty impressive. But when we move together in unity as, you know, a collective unit of the the different or the sum of the different parts that make up this community of, of faith, we are unstoppable. We are unstoppable. And that's what I want to talk about today, that we are truly better together. Throughout this series, we're looking at what it means to be a community that comes together in one, in unity, moving in the same direction. And as a culture, we have a tendency to move towards independence, individualism, And there's nothing wrong with being independent to a certain degree. But we are wired to live this life in community. We are wired, it's in our DNA, to have relationship with other people. To do this life in community, in unity. We are created and called to come together as one in unity. Unity. I said better together. I think a better title is putting the unity in community. And this is important because when you and I, when we all come together in unity, there is nothing that we cannot do for the kingdom. We're unstoppable. Last week we said that this community of, of in unity begins when we recognize that we recognize what we are and, and what that means in our lives and how it plays out. We said we discovered that God created a uniquely gifted masterpiece when He created you. You and I are a masterpiece made in the image of God. And God, the the, the one who created this universe, who created this earth, this world, and everything in it, and said it was good. What's even more amazing is he, he went on to create you and I, and he called it and called us very good. And as a masterpiece made in God's image, we are called to serve and we are called to value all the other masterpieces that God created in his image 
when we recognize what we are, masterpieces. We're masterpieces. And when, when we begin to live up to this ideal by serving others the way Jesus served us, loved us, we can come together as a community and that serves and ultimately transforms the world, our city, our community around us. Today we're going to continue looking at what it means to be a community that comes together in unity as one. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever noticed that we, you, me, we tend to move towards, you know, what is familiar? We, tor- we tend to navigate towards what maybe we are. We tend to navigate towards people who might look like us, talk like us think like us. We tend to navigate towards people and gravitate towards people who might believe like we do or vote the same way we vote. Maybe we gravitate towards people who are in the same kind of socioeconomic demographic that we are in. What I've discovered is that we like to be alike. We like to be alike. Which is ironic since our culture values and really kind of pushes this, hey, look out for number one, look out for yourself. Our our culture values independence and being your own person. I mean, we all claim to want diversity, don't we? We claim we want to be different. We claim we want to be, you know, this kind of, we want to think in an anti-group way. We don't want to be clicky. But the truth is, the truth is, we really like to be like others. I mean, for an example, think about this with me. Nonconformist conformists. <laughs> A group of people who all claim to be nonconformists. They all wear the same black clothes. They all have the same basic hairstyle. They all listen to the same general type of music. They all hang out at the same places. The group of people who all, I mean, this group of people who all look the same, acted the same, listened to the same music, called themselves nonconformists. Ironically, to be a part of that group, you had to conform to the nonconformist standards. I mean, if you're not sure about this, look at most churches on any given Sunday. Sunday morning has been the most segregated hour of the week in America. This isn't necessarily because we seek to exclude others. I believe Creekside Church is one of the most welcoming places that I know of and one of the most generous group of individuals that I know of. 
But I think it's because we're naturally drawn towards sameness. I mean, churches marked by diversity are generally that way, not by kind of just it happens, but a lot of intentional effort. However, sameness doesn't add life or strength to a community. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Warren Wiersbe said in one of his exposition commentaries, unity without diversity would produce uniformity. (coughs) Unity without diversity will produce uniformity. And uniformity tends to produce death. He goes on to say, life is a balance between unity and diversity. As a, hu- as a human body weakens, its systems slow down and everything tends to become uniform. The ultimate, of course, is the body itself returns to dust. Uniformity tends to produce death. And uniformity decreases the strength and the value of things. Think of it like this, and I, I love this analogy. If you have a, a building where the walls are all covered with the same masterpiece, it's the same masterpiece on the walls over and over and over and over again, that is called wallpaper. But if you have a building where the walls are covered with one-of-a-kind, uniquely created and painted masterpieces of varying size and color and shape, what do we call that? We call that a gallery, an art gallery. Nobody that I know of has ever put time and effort in planning a heist of your wallpaper. I don't care how good you think it looks. (laughs) But art galleries, museums, they are targets because you know why? They have immeasurable value. Now, this may be counterintuitive, but as a church, the body of Christ, the hands and the feet of Jesus... When everything is the same, we cannot be a community that transforms the world. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We will never be, we are not stronger when we are all the same. We are stronger when we are all different. Or to put it another way, when we are all together different, we are more than the sum of all of our parts. When we are all together different, we are more than the sum of the parts. This is the one thing I want you to understand, to get a grip on, to leave here with today. When we are all together different, We are more than the sum of our parts. We are better together. We're better together. 
I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles or your Bible app to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Let me give you a little context. Now, this is a letter uh, written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Jesus followers in a town where it was very tough, very tough and difficult to be a follower of Jesus. Corinth was a very diverse city. People from all over the Roman Empire lived in this city of Corinth. Jews, Greeks, Gauls, Africans, slaves, frees, ex, or, uh, slaves, ex-military, those conquered by the military. People from all over with a lot of different religious backgrounds lived there. And not only that, you had people from different socioeconomic backgrounds as well. And the reality is they didn't all get along because they were so different. And the church in Corinth, the community of, of followers of Jesus, you know what's interesting? They reflected that diversity. They reflected the diversity of the community in which they lived. This meant sometimes people in the church, shocking to most, but sometimes people in the church didn't even get along. But the differences and the frictions weren't simply limited to race or culture or economics or social status or religious backgrounds. Some of the friction was caused by the fact that different people had different gifts. Different people had different talents and different roles, not in the community, but in the church. Now, some were more obvious. In the church, you had leaders, you had teachers, you had preachers. And, but some were more behind the scenes. Some of these gifts that people had, varying gifts, were behind the scenes. Hospitality, service, encouragement. And just like many of us here today, they begin to look at each other and even look at themselves and assign value based on the obvious in front of the curtain and out front, out loud type of gifts. And they begin to grumble about how desirable certain gifts were. I mean, we, we do this all over our culture. It's not just in the church. If, if, you, if you say, well, I'm, hey, listen, I'm, I'm not like that. Let me give you a few real world examples. How about the CEO? The CEO is perceived as more important than the regional manager. I know you guys are all thinking the office. The assistant to the regional manager. Or the regional manager is perceived as more important than the store manager. And the store manager is perceived as more important than the janitor. Is it starting to resonate? Or how about the principal is more important than the teacher, and the teacher is more important than the teacher's aide, and the teacher's aide is more important than the lunch lady? We do this all the time. And we could all probably 
relate this to a certain context in our own life. It's in our nature to look at the differences. It's in our nature to determine some to be better than others and then to pursue the more important positions and to to dismiss those less important positions. And I believe that this attitude carries over into the church. I mean, if you're a preacher or a worship leader or a, a council member or on the, you know, a member of the worship team, you know a job that's upfront and visible. Then you probably assume, oh, hey, you know, listen, you must be more important than someone who sets up chairs or hands out food or, or, or cleans the kitchen or cleans the bathrooms, right? Because they're up on stage. I mean, so this little community of Jesus followers in Corinth is struggling with a whole different thing. And the whole, hey, who's more important? And as Paul writes this letter to them, he begins to explain the power of difference. The power of differences. There is power in in, in being diverse. Paul understands that differences don't divide us. Differences don't divide us. Those differences, if we allow Jesus to have his way, right, his way, actually bring us together in unity as one, and it makes us even stronger. And that's why the Apostle Paul can say this in verse 12. He says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by what? One spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different uh, parts, not just one part. See, in helping them work through their differences, the Apostle Paul uh, goes to one of the best examples from everyday life that we can find, and it's something that every single one of us in this room can relate to. You know what that is? The human body. We all have one. He wouldn't be here right now if he didn't. He relates it to the human body. The body Paul says, is made up of many different parts, and every part has a role to play, and every part needs every other part, and if the whole body were the same part, it, <laughs> it wouldn't be a body. I just learned in the last five years what opposable thumb really mean it opposes every other finger I might be slow but I do poor work but think about it if you didn't have your pinky it'd be kind of weird to pick things up if you take time to read the rest of of the of Paul's letter 
He goes on and on about how all these different parts coming together are better, are better than any one individual part. And how the whole thing fails if each part doesn't show up and play their role. Paul is saying when we're all together different, we are more than the sum of our parts. What he's saying is we're better together. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm better with you. We are better together. We are better together. There are no insignificant members of, of, of Creekside Church. There are no insignificant members of the local community of Jesus followers. It doesn't matter what you can. It doesn't matter what you cannot do. No one's insignificant in, the, in, 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 this, in God's kingdom. Every one of us who considers ourselves to be a follower of Jesus are essential, are an essential part of this community. No one is insignificant. It doesn't matter, and I know what some of you say, well, you know, all, all I do is like change diapers. No, you're changing diapers for God's kingdom. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. And you don't know by changing that diaper, that little child, how you are playing a part in releasing God's potential in that young person's life as he grows and develops. It doesn't matter if, you're only, if you only work in the nursery. You are an essential part of this body. It doesn't matter if you only greet or shake, someone hand, uh, hand, uh, shake someone, someone's hand. On Sunday, you are an essential part. By the same token, there are no members of, the, of this local community of Jesus followers who are indispensable. There's no one who is insignificant, and there's nothing that you do that is insignificant in God's kingdom. But no, none of us are indispensable either. It doesn't matter if you're a musician on the stage or a worship pastor or the lead pastor. You are simply a part of the body, but an essential part of the body. It doesn't matter if you are the pastor or you preach most Sundays. You are simply one part of the body, but an essential part of the body. And the reality is you may go, well, I'm not serving in any context or capacity, but just by you showing up and being here, and worshiping, you are an essential part of this body. Paul sums up the whole thing by saying uh, in verse 27, all, not some of you, not the, the best looking, not the most qualified, not the one who can sing the best, but all of you together are Christ's body. Not the one who knows the most Bible, not the one who can pray in the best Christianese, all of you, all of you, all of you together, not all of you separately, individually in your own homes, independently, 
all of us together are Christ's body. And when somebody in Christ's body isn't functioning according to their purpose and their gifts, the body isn't moving as a unit. And each of you is a part of it. We collectively are the body of Christ and you individually are an essential part of it. We as a community in unity are the body of Christ. We are one. Paul stays on that theme of the body. The church is called to be the body, the physical representation, the hands and the feet of Jesus to our city, to our community, and to our world. I often think that the body of Christ comes off as incapable. I often think that the body of Christ comes off as crippled. Because we don't use our gifts. We don't use our talents. We don't use our skills. We don't use our resources, our abilities, and our passions to serve the church and serve the world through the church. So we come off as incapable. Listen, friends, God's given you gifts. God's given you uh, abilities. God, you have skills. You have talents. You have passions. Every single one of us in this room is a 10 in something. Every one of these skills in all of their differences can be used to create one of the, uh, a community that changes the world. What if everyone here, what if every single one of us here used our skill, our talent, our gift, our ability, our passion to engage in serving Creekside Church and through the church serve our community? What, what would happen? What would that look like? What? Whose lives can we impact with the message of Christ? And then imagine with me for a moment what happens when we take those gifts and skills and talents and abilities and passions out of the walls of our church into our neighborhoods, onto our streets, and serve our friends and serve our neighbors. Friends, we would be unstoppable. Unstoppable. When we are all together different, we are more than the sum of our parts. We are truly better together. We are better together. We are better together. I want to close with this as the worship team comes up. I want to issue a challenge to us. I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you're able. I want to issue a challenge to us. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to step into serving. This isn't a, oh, there he goes again, Pastor George talking about serving. It's not that. We are in a series called We Are Better Together. And like I said earlier, if one part of the body is not fulfilling its purpose, then the body is not functioning complete. We are better together. I want to challenge you to step into serving. I, I, and I'm not talking about, you know, 
all right, God, are you calling me to go to Africa as a missionary? I'm not talking full-time ministry. I'm not talking vocational ministry. But I want to invite you, invite you to step into ministry. If God's gifted you, if God's brought you here, if God's called you to be a part of this community of faith called Creekside Church, and you're not using your gifts, something in God's kingdom is not being done. After all, it's God who gave you the gift, right? I want to invite you to step into ministry, into serving in some way, shape, or form. I want to challenge you to take what God has given you, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your passions, and, and, and if you aren't already, I want to I challenge you, invite you, to begin to use them in serving, let's just start with the church, Creekside Church. And then let's see what God does as we grow in our opportunities to serve our community, our city, and the world. Now, I realize that you may need to spend some time identifying them. I get that. But be intentional with that. Ask God. Some of us who are standing in kind of the, the, you know, some of us who are more seasoned generations. Well, I'm retired. My life's over. Newsflash. Uh, a lot of people started their ministry in, in God's word when they were like 100 plus. You're not quite there. But you, you have life experience, you have wisdom, you have resources that, the young, that you can invest and pour into the younger generation who could be the, the, the strength and do things that maybe we're not physical or capable of doing. But every single generation represented in this room has a part to play and has something to offer God's kingdom. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time asking God, talking to others. And, and, you know, you need to pray because you want to go, God, put me in the lane that, will, that my gifts will be best utilized. Where I experience fulfillment and not having the life sucked out of me. Pray. Pray and see where you can best be used. And then you may need to explore different lanes or different environments or different ministry teams. And to help you with that, uh, coming up, I think next month or in the fall, we have Growth Track, which will help you identify how God's created you, wired you, and gifted you so you can get in the right lane of serving. And listen, you have the freedom to fail if you make a wrong decision. That's okay. Or maybe some of you you're ready to start something new. God's put a dream in your heart. Maybe they're, you're ready to start something we've never seen before. But if we all take our gifts, if we all take our skills, if we all take our abilities and our passions and our talents, and we all come together in unity as one, 
as different as we are, as different as our gifts are, we begin to change not just our church, but we begin to change our community, and in turn, we will change the world. When we are all together different, we are way more than the sum of our parts. We are better together. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, you created us as a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. You have gifted us. You have uh, blessed us. You have uh, provided for us. You have shaped us into the person that we are today. And we know that we are loved and we are valued by you. And as we learn to see others around us as masterpieces uh, created in your image, Father God, help us to embrace our diversity in order to have a greater unity as we seek to share the gospel, the hope, the healing, and the good news of Jesus to those around us and to place the same value on others as you have placed on us in spite of our differences. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, church, say amen. You guys are loved. Have an amazing week. Uh, as you celebrate our independence, remember and give God some glory for our total dependence on him. Cool? Have an amazing weekend, guys. Happy 4th. 